The COVID-19 pandemic has been a challenge for everyone, but for some people, in particular older adults, there have been some very specific reasons for concern. Add diabetes into the mix and it all gets even more complicated. I'm Krista Lamb, and today on the Diabetes Canada podcast, I'll be talking to Dr. Paula Rashan about how COVID-19 has exacerbated inequities among older adults, in particular women, and how she's hoping to change this trajectory. Dr. Rashan is a geriatrician and the Vice President of Research at Women's College Hospital in Toronto. Welcome to the show, Dr. Rashan. Hello, pleased to be here. So for everyone, COVID-19 has had a really big impact on our daily lives, but you're particularly interested in how it has impacted older adults. Why is that? Well, there's many reasons why uh, COVID-19 has been important for older people. One of them, I think, that we have to remember is that we have a large older population. You know, right now, we're, we're approaching having 20% of our population over the age of 65, which means that soon we're going to be a super-age society. As we get older, uh, there's more and more women in those age groups. So just in terms of the demographic piece, uh, it's really important in that regard. When we think specifically about uh, COVID-19 and how it's impacted people, you know, one of the key pieces related to COVID-19 is the need for social distancing. And that's had a very big impact on older people and especially women. And part of that is because, you know, many older people are already somewhat isolated, you know, maybe they're, they're living uh, as a couple, but many older people are living on their own, especially women. So when you add in this sort of social distancing piece, people become, I think, really quite isolated. And that has a big impact on uh, their mental as well as their physical well-being. You know, I, I think uh, sometimes people forget the importance that loneliness has. You know, loneliness, they say, has a sort of an impact similar to smoking, you know, numerous cigarettes each day. I mean, it really does impact your health in so many different ways. And so COVID as a result of this uh, physical distancing has made it so that people are more isolated and feeling more lonely. And I think for people that are living with diabetes who are also older adults, this would be a specific issue too, because you know that you're at a higher risk if you get COVID and you have type two diabetes, and then you're already, you know, thinking about, okay, what do I need to do? And so that stress must add a little bit more of a factor as well. Yeah, I do think it, it becomes more stressful. And I think people perhaps are even uh, more concerned when you have another underlying condition. So I think that's problematic, but it affects people in so many different ways, you know, because I think when you didn't have this requirement for physical distancing, people might have done many different things throughout you know, their days. For example, they may go out, they may have volunteering activities that they're involved with. They may be going out for walks. They may be going to different kinds of exercise classes. They may be doing all sorts of different things, which they're no longer able to do. And that can also impact their health as well. So it becomes um, a, a much bigger issue. Yeah, we recently had Dr. Paul O on the show and he talked a lot about diabetes and exercise and the need for that. And so if you're suddenly unable to do the things that you would normally do, that must have an impact as well. Yeah, I think we, we sort of forget about the regular things that you do that count as exercise, like going out for walks, going shopping, you know, all that sort of thing is exercise uh, and that's important. And so as people are older and frailer, and if you're not doing that sort of thing, it impacts your strength. And that can relate to, you know, making you more likely to be uh, less steady or at risk for falls or things like that. So that becomes uh, an issue for people. And 
You've done a lot of research on the different health care issues that women face in particular, and I would think that that comes into play in a pandemic. So when a woman is going to receive health care, she may have a very different experience than a man. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so I think there's a number of different ways that this can impact people. So if we even think about, uh, for example, the exercise piece that we talked about earlier, you know, it may be that men are more likely to be doing exercise on an ongoing basis. And when you throw in the pandemic, uh, women who are less likely to have been involved in exercise activities are doing even less. So, so things like that that are just regular activities are impacted. We also need to think about women in other contexts. So one of the things that we haven't talked about is that uh, long-term care is a very important um, sector. And during COVID, and, you know, this has been very much impacted. And in long-term care, about 70% of the residents there are women. And so they have also experienced issues during this COVID pandemic in terms of experiencing uh, the impacts of uh, physical distancing, as well as some of the social isolation, which has had a big impact on them. And I think things like when you talk about long-term care, there's other things that come to mind for me as well that people would be dealing with like socioeconomics and language and culture that also factor into your overall healthcare experience. And so suddenly you'd have older people who don't have their caregiver with them. If they speak another language, they don't have someone with them to translate. They might not be able to get the same kind of support that they would normally receive. Have you found that at all with your research that people are dealing with that a little bit more during the COVID-19 situation? Uh, yeah, I think those are very important pieces. So um, when you think about people who are in long-term care, you know, often the people are, are fairly old, they're quite frail. They often have multiple medical conditions of which diabetes may be one. And so they're, they're very vulnerable. Often people in long-term care also have cognitive issues as well. And so the people that are there would have been their usual caregivers or uh, family members that are seeing them on a regular basis are people that might notice subtle differences that might be happening uh, in an older person. And so often if an older person becomes unwell, there may be early signs. You know, for example, they may just not be eating quite as well, or they may be a little bit more lethargic, or they might be a little bit more confused. And so when you don't have maybe the usual kinds of care or the ability to have um, family, coming in, some of these early signs may be missed, uh, which could be opportunities to intervene earlier. And I was going to say in particular around the issue of cultural differences, because I know in many cases, we see that the family caregiver is also the translator for an older adult. Because if someone has come to Canada and they don't have the background, they may have that child or their support system who's helping them to manage their diabetes and to manage their health care. So are we seeing any changes now that people are having more difficulty visiting family long-term care or they might not be able to go to the health care appointment with their parents? Yeah, those are very important issues because um, those people are the ones that know often the individual best and are able to transmit their concerns, as you say, and it may be related to a language issue, or maybe just being able to transmit the fact that something's different. And so it's really important to have those kind of resources available to help and to support people. So not having them there is a potential gap. I guess that also relates to another piece uh, for people that are living in the community is that a lot of the usual things that they had available may not be available or as available 
available to them. Uh, so for example, it may not be uh, as easy for them to go for regular kinds of care. And when they do go, it's, it's more difficult uh, uh, for a caregiver. And things like, for example, um, you know, how do you get to appointments and uh, pieces like that are more complex uh, during COVID. And for someone who's listening who might have an older adult or in their lives or they're caring for an older adult with diabetes and potentially other chronic health issues, what are some of the things that they should keep in mind to help manage things right now or to be a support? I think one of the things that we need to think about doing is how do you find different ways to keep connected with these individuals. So, you know, how do you use technology? How do you phone? Like, what are the ways that you can make sure that you're staying connected? And then I think we also have to think about some of the simple things that may be more complicated uh, during COVID. You know, for example, it's important that, you know, people have uh, good food and fresh food, especially in the context of diabetes, but getting that may be more complicated. You know, people don't have access to the same kinds of uh, transportation, for example, and uh, it may be more difficult uh, to go to, to stores because of the physical distancing requirements. So we need to think about how can we provide support to make sure that people have the things that they need. So this whole idea about um, social connection is so important and maintaining supports. And I think that a lot of people who are listening probably have been thinking a lot about that lately. I know I've talked to so many people who are missing their grandchildren or who are really missing having that sort of contact. So is there anything else you're seeing in your research that you know, you'd wanted to share about things that are affecting older adults during this time? Yeah, I think older adults are, are affected in so many ways, whether they're living in the community or they're, they're living in the long-term care setting. But one of those big pieces does relate to that whole idea about um, the importance of maintaining social connections and preventing things like loneliness. And, you know, family is so important to everyone and especially to older people. And so we do need to think about what are the ways that we can continue to maintain those connections in safe ways? And, and people need to think about how do they maintain their activity? You know, how is it that they can continue to make sure that they're getting in, for example, walking, doing some of the things that are important uh, to maintaining their functional ability? Uh, so there's many things that we need to think about doing. And is there anything else that you would want to share about the research that you're doing right now, in particular around women? Well, I think one of the things that we've been doing, which I think is really important, is that we want people to think about how do you always look at considering differences between women and men in all the work that you do, and also thinking about age. Uh, because if you don't ask those questions, you don't really see patterns that might emerge. You know, for example, to, to understand, you know, why it is that loneliness may be a, an issue that's maybe more common in women than it is in older men. And if you don't think about those differences, and if you don't think about how it may relate to age, you're, you're not able to see it. And our work is also going beyond that. We're not just thinking about the sex differences. We're also thinking about the gender or the sociocultural kind of differences that occur. And so it's important to think about the other pieces that are also important, uh, so incredibly important. You mentioned um, pieces like uh, culture and race and things like socioeconomic status and how those might play in. And so what we're doing is we're asking people to think about these things. And we've created a number of modules to help people look critically at this uh, as they're um, dealing with patients or they're doing research uh, to help them think about they, how they can incorporate that information into absolutely everything that they do. 
And that's really important, I think, because for a lot of people, they don't realize that research was originally something where the focus was very often on male patients and male subjects, and they didn't really factor in that, you know, a woman might have a very different way of looking at that problem or have very different circumstances. And that can have a really big impact when it comes to the treatments and the care that people are getting, I would assume. A very big piece. It's interesting that it wasn't in, until, you know, not that long ago that it was required that women are included in research in the United States. And until very recently that older people were required to be included in research. And also sort of thinking about, you know, you can include women without including older women. So really even that intersection is still not quite being dealt with. And so if you're not including people in research at the start, you know, those potential differences are, are missed. And as a result of that, for example, you may end up with drug therapies that are being prescribed at doses that are too high for women, because often women, for example, will require lower doses of medicines. So important differences are potentially missed. So it's really important to make sure that we find ways to include uh, both older women and older men in uh, research studies of conditions that impact both of them. And then further to that, you know, once they're included, it's really important that it, that information is reported so that we're able to make sure that that information is available so that we can use it to improve um, the clinical care going forward. Yeah, absolutely. And it reminds me too that we also need to be looking at so many different factors when we're looking at you know, moving beyond just the sex and gender question, we're looking at, you know, the race, the culture, the socioeconomics, all of these things that create a person. And so each individual person may have a very different circumstances that could affect how they are reacting to treatment or their access to treatment. Right. And unless you think about those things, they're completely missed and they're absolutely essential to really understanding what's going to be best for that individual person. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for sharing all of this with us today. I think this was a really interesting topic and hopefully people learned as much as I did. Thank you. Appreciate the invitation. So thank you to Dr. Rashawn for joining us on the show today. I'm Krista Lamb and you've been listening to the Diabetes Canada podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please be sure to subscribe in the podcast provider of your choice. If you have questions or comments, you can reach Diabetes Canada at info at diabetes.ca, or you can find more information on their website at diabetes.ca. Thanks for listening.